Today on the pod, we find out if Netflix has the bare necessities in our review of Mowgli. We then find out what happens if you take Spider-Man, throw him at a Hayden Collider, have five different variants of Spider-Man in the same city, all in a different animation style, in Spider-Man colon into the Spider-Verse. We also go through the usual news and nonsense and talk about who we think should host the Oscars for next year. P.S. It's not me. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It is the podcast that survived its challenging leadership of no confidence and is here to fight another day. Speaking of which, that leads me to my other comrade for this pod. You know him as John, I know him as Deska. He is also the man that this Christmas, if you're looking for something to buy for someone, I recommend an album, an album that makes you feel lucky. Lucky Dust, in fact. Lucky Dust, available on iTunes and Spotify and where all good streaming services are. John, how are you doing, buddy? I am not bad. Can I also suggest you might want to buy some uh, all-purpose moisturising cream uh, by the name of Moonbeam, you know? That's also a great product. It happens to be made by my wife, uh, but, you know, just putting out good vibes into the world, good, good product placement. I'm great. How are you? I'm not just an advertising hoarder. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well, buddy. I'm doing well. Uh, thanks to all the people that have been uh, liking and tweeting stuff towards us this week. Um, while we're at it, while we're plugging stuff, uh, last year we done our Christmas special, which was about Die Hard, and that was with Jamie Hannon. And uh, that was one of our most downloaded pods. It still gets plays even to this day of people trying to find it. And as we start approaching Christmas, it's quite interesting that the debate comes up again about is Die Hard a Christmas movie, and, and that's being downloaded again. Anyway, I'd like to announce that this year we're doing an alternative christmas pod because just like i don't know if actually it's something like 40 percent of our listeners are in the u.s so you might not be aware of this but in the uk we have a proud tradition of uh, on christmas day the queen does a speech and not everyone's a royalist so uh, channel four does an alternative christmas speech now heavens to think that not everyone would want to listen to a diehard podcast this christmas so we have an alternative that's coming out this year now uh, inspired by lady who runs the the london podcast festival she tweeted the other day saying why aren't people talking about batman returns and i thought oh my fucking god she's right that is an amazing Christmas film. So, uh, dropping next week <laughs> is a alternative podcast Christmas special about Batman Returns. And we've recruited a fellow podcaster, Michael Carden-Edwards, from the Pod of Two Halves football podcast. Uh, lots of really interesting stuff. We debate about the best parts of the film. Does it hold up to 2018? Is there lots of... Uh, things that we didn't wear and we geek out over the facts so if you've listened to our specials before you kind of get a gist of how we do them so anyway i think we've done enough plugging for for one pod john shall we actually just crack on with the reviews this week let's crack on streaming gems kira why am i different you are special little brother you've got hands so let's use them stop Rewind your minds back to 2015. It was a simpler time. No one thought that 
Brexit would actually happen and no one thought that any sort of referendum would screw us over. But anyway, politics aside, uh, Disney announced as part of their live action slates that they were going to be making a Jungle Book live adaptation. It'll be coming out very, very soon. This made the whole world rejoice, apart from one man, Andy Serkis. The reason why is because he actually, uh, working with film studios, acquired the rights to not the Jungle Book, but actually the film, uh, sorry, the story Mowgli, which is what the Jungle Book is based on. Now, this made them very nervous because when Disney tries to do, do something, they'll do it big and think back to the 90s with Deep Impact and Armageddon. There's kind of this, oh, you're copying us thing going on. Um, as the years went on and they were making this film, now actually Andy Serkis has been making Mowgli for nearly five years. It was in 2013 that he first uh, got attached to this project. But due to Disney showing their hand and releasing this film, uh, the studio at the time got a bit scared. They didn't want to release it. And it was only till recently that this film actually come to light of day, thanks to Netflix. Um, this is was Andy Serkis's first time in front of the camera, but actually, sorry, behind the camera in terms of directing. But it actually is the second film of his to be released. It took that long uh, to come to light on this. We we reviewed the trailer in the podcast a while back, and we were saying about how we're kind of not sure on this one. But hey, you know, it's a big coup for Netflix. Um, yeah, I don't need to go over the story of Mowgli, a boy found in the jungle by uh, Bagheera, a panther, takes him some wolves and and the story ensues. Obviously, there are some key differences from that in the Jungle Book, which we'll talk a bit about in our review. Uh, but John, what's your first take on this? Well, like you said, I wasn't totally bowled over by watching another Mowgli-based movie. Um, I, I was really surprised by Disney's take Um the live action remake I thought it was really good actually um so yeah low expectations for this one especially when it ends up on Netflix uh, we're kind of getting on a theme if you've been paying attention the last few years that's not usually a, a great sign uh that it goes straight to Netflix but um interesting yeah I mean I've I've literally just finished watching it and I've got very mixed feelings um how what about you um, yeah, I'm probably in the same space as you on this, really. It was kind of the film no one was asking for, but at the same time, the talent that's involved in this film, you can't help but pay attention, right? Obviously, Andy Serkis, we know him as the Charlie Chapman of the digital age. He was obviously all that great stuff he done with Lord of the Rings, those Caesar movies, but he's actually a great actor in his own right as well. And uh, he's obviously learned from the best in terms of directors out there. So this was interesting enough just for the fact that Andy Serkis is directing a film. This, is, this would have been his, his directorial debut that aside the talent in front of the camera now um, a lot of this is voice cast obviously because it's computer animated and stuff like that but we've got Christian Bale we've got Kate Blanchett uh Benedict Cumberbatch, Andy Serkis also does his voice in this as well. We've got Eddie Marson, and uh, the list goes on and on and on of awesome actors in this film. Um, they try and deliberately move away from photorealistic animals and be a bit more cartoony to the point where they actually try and take the likeness of the actors playing them. Uh, so Bagheera, you don't realise it until someone says to you, that's Christian Bale. And you go, <laughs> oh my God, it looks like Christian Bale. Benedict Cumberbatch as Shere Khan is absolutely incredible. He has that face that is just so animated that it just works and everything, and he does a great job with this. That being said, um, it does go on a different tangent because The Jungle Book is an adaptation. It's not a direct uh, a uh, direct like-for-like, like, play-for-play in terms of what you get in the book. There's some certain things that I had no idea about. I'm going to be honest, I didn't read the original book. I just saw the cartoon like everyone else. And uh, to see 
blue in a different light. That was very different. And um, and yeah, I I was a bit. I'm gonna say I'm a bit on the on the fence at the moment about it. What do you think about the cast? Uh, the cast was amazing. I mean, it's like a who's who of of great actors at the moment. So, I mean that definitely piques my interest. Um, but the moment you hear Baloo talk. It's hard to get used to, isn't it? <laughs> He's like this strange Cockney gangster from uh, London 50 years ago. I don't know. It doesn't... To me, it didn't quite settle. Maybe I'm so used to Baloo being this big, bumbling, idiot, lovable bear, but it was... Uh, it didn't It didn't quite work for me. It, the whole film was just a bit too serious, um, it yeah, kind of. I agree with that. It had a dark, a slight tinge of darkness that was kind of intriguing for a bit, um, and towards the end, it kind of gets a bit more interesting. I think for the first half of the movie, I, I mean, it's kind of take it or leave it. But uh, it, 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 you know, because we've seen this movie before, right? Up until about halfway through, and you're like, oh, actually, this is uh, seeing the. Uh, a different part of the story. Um, I'm like you. I'm ignorant to the uh, original book. I've just watched all the Jungle books many times. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting, but a, a bit too serious. I mean, the charm wasn't quite there, was it? No, I agree about the the Baloo voice. So Andy Circus actually does the voice of Baloo, and he does the the facial capture for it. You can really see the glint in in his eye is exactly the same as Andy Circus's. But yeah, he he has taken an active choice to do a Ray Winston impression as Baloo, and they decide to make. So for those of you who are, who aren't aware of the storyline, this isn't a spoiler. Basically. Um, the premise is that Mowgli gets found by these wolves, and he grows up with this pack of wolves, and all young adolescent wolves at a point in their life have to do a test and the test is basically a panther is chasing them and they have to outrun the panther if they can outrun the panther then they are allowed to be part of the pack and go on hunts now Baloo is actually a teacher he trains the wolves uh, to a point where they're ready for the race and the panther in this case is Bagheera Shere Khan is still Shere Khan he still hates man he still does not want Mowgli to grow up and and become the fire bearer and all that sort of stuff but that is basically the biggest chi- uh, twist on this is that uh, Baloo lives with the wolves he he trains the wolves and he looks really weird in fact I was watching this with my wife and she leant over and went is Baloo having a stroke <laughs> he just looks weird and uh, yeah there's I don't know if it's a case of money running out or maybe not having the right people involved which is very strange to think of when you think of the the pedigree that Andy Serkis has with digital animation but there was a couple of bits that just didn't quite look nice didn't look that sort of sheen of polish we come to expect from these sort of people especially the earlier scenes where it's a little baby being found by these wolves it really did look like a almost like a dare I say it uh, a substandard Netflix movie to that point Um, but as John's point says it does get better it does start finding its own way once you accept this is not the jungle book and there's not going to be songs and not going to be King Louis dancing around sort of thing um, yeah it does find its own feet it's just it's just unfortunate it was uh, it's always inevitably going to be compared to its counterpart from Disney Mm. I mean it starts to get interesting when he goes into the village uh, and spends some time with the other humans and you start to realise you're watching 
a, not just a slightly more boring Jungle Book. This is uh, <laughs> something. But, I mean, did you get a kind of... It was slightly preachy, um, um, not, in a, not in a good way. It was kind of a bit serious, a bit preachy. And I couldn't tell who it was for. Is it for kids who are slightly more serious and, you know, want to want to be preached at? Or is it for adults? Um, I, I guess I struggled to know who the audience really was. Um, and I come away feeling I'm not sure I was the audience, but I don't know who who exactly was. I mean, yeah, I got that vibe. I was thinking, is this a case of too much studio interference at first? Thinking, was this because um, obviously they had a story and tale they wanted to do and they had a way they wanted to do it and maybe the influence of Disney making their version so close to the same time that they decided to deliberately go off on a different tangent. But I've listened to interviews with Andy Serkis when doing the research for this and he's basically come and said, this is my vision. Um, I was offered this... Uh, opportunity to collaborate at first and I had a view of how I wanted to make this and to the point that even the film was paused for a little bit so that he could go do other projects because they really wanted Andy Serkis and Andy Serkis only wanted to do it under his vision now he didn't necessarily write all of this film, uh, he obviously influenced a lot of it, it was a person called Callie uh, Kelly Cloves done the screenplay based on the original book by uh, Rupert Kipling and um, but it is definitely his story and he doesn't compromise on any of that. So maybe it's just some, as part of his learning of being a director. I don't know. But yeah, I do agree with you. I kind of, this is not for kids, uh, first and foremost. Uh, but I don't think it's for adults neither. Because if it was for adults, then then what's it trying to make me sympathise with? The animals, the the child in this equation or, or man? Uh, a shout out to the kid who plays Mowgli though, a gentleman called Rohan Chand. Um, I assume this is one of his, his first roles. He's, he's, I think he's quite good in it. Um, I yeah. made a bet. I, I love that you called him a gentleman. It. It is, he's a gentleman. He's a, gentleman. He's, he's, yeah, he's a young man. He's doing, he's doing all right. He's an eight-year-old gentleman. From the youth team and all that, um, <laughs> I made a I made a bet uh, when the trailer dropped, and I am wrong in my bet. Um, I I made a big bet that I think they're going to do a twist and make Mowgli female because he looks very effeminate in the trailer. There's nothing wrong with that or anything like that. I was just saying that wouldn't it be an interesting twist, and uh, it turns out that's not at all. It's just that he he, he kind of looks feminine with his hair down, and that was it. <laughs> I have to, yeah, I have to agree with you. I think probably the best thing about the movie for me was his performance. This this kid's performance as we've spoke about on this podcast many a time and I have over a drunken Christmas uh, children are can be very annoying to watch in film um, I'm sorry sorry to be a Scrooge but you all know what I'm talking about um, and this was not a case I think he did a really good job and it is seriously a physical role um, I mean really testing I think this young gentleman has a serious future. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, we, yeah, hopefully we'll see him in other stuff. So I think we've pretty much said all we need to about this one. Uh, like I say, it is enjoyable. It's part of your Netflix subscription, all right? So um, <laughs> this, does have, this does have limited cinema release because that was something Candy Circus was very passionate about. But also for uh, certain film award categories, it needs to have a run in the cinema. So um, they've managed to... to to find a route of getting this into cinemas as well as on your Netflix account. I'm thinking three out of five. What's your your take? I think three. I think three's fair. Yeah, I w definitely wouldn't go four. 
I feel two's a bit harsh. I think three's yeah. fair. Who's your Who's your favourite uh, actor in this? Like who 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 had the best voice? Do you know? I wasn't. Oh, I think Cumberbatch. I think yeah, clearly. I wasn't sold on Andy Serkis playing Baloo like a, like a London gangster, and the wolves. Oh, do you know what the you know the nerdy wolf that um you know the special you know the one I'm talking about um yeah yeah, yeah that all oh, that really grated me you know when you think I I can sort of understand why they're bullying you I know that sounds horrible but uh. <laughs> <laughs> John's uh, John's just there that's this, you're a teacher man you're I bet you're around the school don't tell people that and telling the other kids. I- I'm a bastard. I'm sorry. You've heard it here first. <laughs> I enjoyed Christian Bale. I thought he was great as Bagheera. And uh, I don't ever think of him as lending his voice to stuff. I always think of him, obviously, in live action. And uh, it's good to know that if he, if he ever wants to stop drastically reducing or increasing his body weight for roles, he can just get some paychecks just lending his voice. <laughs> He's damn good at that as well. So there you have it. Three out of five. Mowgli on your Netflix. So, John, do you give a toss who hosts the Oscars? I, do you know what? Me and my buddies a couple of years on the trot had Oscar parties. We were in Abu Dhabi, right? These were the best nights. We'd go, obviously, it's an all night thing. You stay up over there, you had to stay up all night to watch them. We'd, you know, give pirated copies around so everyone could watch the Oscar nominees, and then we'd just get smashed and watch the Oscars. And it was great. But I fear the times I've watched the Oscars having not been drunk, uh, not quite as enjoyable. More fan of the old uh, Golden Globes hosted by, you know, a comedian like Ricky Gervais. That's a, a bit more interesting, a bit more con- contrary for me. Yeah. Actually, the guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is co-hosting the Golden Globes this year, and I think that's going to be hilarious. And I can't remember who he's doing it with, but it's someone who is very funny, and I know that she works really well with him, and it's going to be hilarious. But anyway, let's talk about the Oscars for a moment. So Kevin Hart was announced last week that he was going to be the host of the Oscars this year. Uh, To not much uh, pleasure from the internet, to be honest. Um, I was very indifferent. I'm not... I think he works great in films, but as a supporting character. Like, if you think about in Jumanji, he's hilarious in that, that sort of thing. Um, I don't I, could, I don't know if I could stomach him, like, hosting something and just constantly making references to the fact he's short and black, you know? Like, it's, a, it's just, I don't know, it would have been too much. But anyway, he's had massive backlash from the LGBTQ communities because... Um, Basically, because his comedy style and a lot of his stand-ups is quite uh, it's quite homophobic, and uh, he realised that this probably isn't going to bode well for him, so he has stepped down as host of the Oscars. He's basically said in a tweet that he wants the attention to be on the the actors as receiving the awards rather than on him, and he sincerely apologises um, if he's offended any one of those communities. That being said, uh, he says he doesn't do those jokes anymore, and he's in love with the man he has become. <laughs> Now, how confident is that, John? Are you in love with the man that you've become? Oh, I wish we could all say that. I don't know about that. But... Well, self-confidence <laughs> there, right? But anyway, so um, the hunt for the host for 2019 goes on. Is there anyone you'd like to see do it? Well, Ricky Gervais has kind of put his hat in the ring, jokingly, but we know it will never happen, don't we? 
But my issue with this, if if you'll allow me, Flinty, is these. This is tweets from 2010, right? So tweets, they've been there. So when they picked him, surely they know this is going to happen. They they've seen the tweets. They know exactly what Kevin Hart is, and then so they book him and then take it away once the backlash. So it's like there's no moral conviction, is there? They, it's only because a few people, which I don't think represent the the entire community, that's it's important to kind of. And I I can't I don't even know what these jokes are, but I I mean he's a comedian. I mean we're here, we're just are you not getting sick of this storyline? It just goes. Seems to just don't book him in the first place. You've you've you can read his tweets, have some moral clarity and moral conviction, or just say no. We're still going to have him. We've we've stuck with our choice. Yeah, he's been kind of James Gunned from that perspective. So basically, in question, the jokes they're talking about is as part of his stand-up routine. Um, he has a he's got a son, and uh, this was in the in the first stages of becoming a father. And he had this ongoing joke that he doesn't want his son to turn out gay. So anything his son does that is slightly effeminate or could suggest that he might grow up to be gay, he will he will basically be disgusted with and trample on and try and stop at any given opportunity. And it's an ongoing joke that he has for his routine. Um, I think some people might translate that as to it's a fictional character of him being a bigoted idiot rather than actually portraying this onto his son, or you might interpret that in any way you want. He has since dropped it from his routine. He doesn't really talk about that sort of stuff at all anymore. That being said, if you're going to write comedy uh, and you're going to go there in terms of thinking outside the box and challenging assumptions or, or be accused of maybe inciting this sort of stuff, then don't be a... Don't, be surprised when big organisations don't want you. I suppose the key difference is he was hired, so he was vetted. It's It'll be different if he applied for it and they said, no, sorry, because of your history, you're not the right person for us. I'd support that. It's more of a case of, no, we think you're good enough, we like you, we would have vetted you and we thought it was okay. Oh, no, it's not because of our morals we're not having you anymore. It's actually because of other people's. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like, a well, why hire him in the first place? No, I mean, it's going to get to the point where no one interesting is going to take the gig because they've all, they know what uh, what pain in the arse it is that people are going to dredge up every tweet and question the context, you know? Yeah, true. True. I'd love to see Brian Cranston host it. I think he'll do a brilliant job. He He is equal parts funny and endearing. And I bet you he hasn't got any skeletons in his closet. Ashley, don't let him do it because they'll find one and then my life will be ruined and my love for Brian Cranston will be diminished. <laughs> he's he's kind of become the adopted granddad for anyone who had a hero who who was a, a bastard. He's kind of like, I don't worry, kids. I'll, 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 you can follow me. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, like you say, I, I don't want to... I, I hope that there is nothing to be found about, about Brian Cranston. I would love to see him host it. Anyway, let's let's move on. So let's talk about some trailers that dropped. Obviously, I'm going to talk briefly about the Avengers 4 trailer that dropped. Not only do we see what happens uh, in the first parts of the new movie, but we've got our title, Endgame, which was actually dropped by Doctor Strange during the previous film. But actually, someone pointed out on Twitter that in Age of Ultron, four years ago, the, the words were uttered, up there is the endgame, that's where it ends for us. And it's like a, wow, 
that is foreshadowing great work it is the most watched trade on youtube in 24 hour history it is absolutely incredible john i'm sure you saw the trailer and since you've seen none of the 21 movies that have come before it you're probably saying what the fuck but just understand that it is a massive cultural thing and this is fucking cool that's an amazing statistic <laughs> anyway so let's talk about something uh, you might actually know a bit about so Godzilla uh, we've been talking about Godzilla King of Monsters as well as the the universe of films it is spinning out um, it dropped its big trailer last week as well we got to see uh, the actress from Stranger Things Eleven she is in this and uh, we also got to see I can't remember you know do you remember in Game of Thrones the um the dad of of Jamie and uh, and those guys. I can't remember the actor's oh, name. Yeah. He was in um, Last Action Hero. He's in uh, Godzilla as well. And there's one scene where he just looks over to the camera with his like scary look and just says in an amazing voice, "Long live the king." And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> You're, I'm already sold. This looks great. Have you had a chance to see this trailer yet? I haven't, I'm afraid. Oh, you are missing out, mate. It is basically big monsters, big effects. It looks like they have really allowed the talent to, to dictate the story and narrative, and it looks like there's not much studio interference. I'm only big basing that on assumptions from, from other movies of the same ilk. This looks like you are getting the story the storytellers want to tell. It looks absolutely batshit crazy, been all the good ways speaking about studios and, and animated stuff so let's move into the new pixar news that was announced last night uh, pixar have unveiled what their next film is going to be it's going to be called onward and it's actually starring uh, chris pratt tom holland uh, octavia spencer julia loris Dreyus. there's there's quite a bit of interesting talent here it's actually been uh, created by the monsters university director uh, dan scanlon and this is kind of like the first uh, batch of Pixar movies to not have John Larister attached to it. The synopsis for this is that set in a sub, uh, the suburban fantasy world populated by elves, trolls and sprites uh, where unicorns troll through garbage cans with candy striped possums this is a premise where the magic is real but has since been lost by and replaced by technology and two teenage brothers whose fathers died were too young to remember him they set out on a fantasy and find out about one magical last day of their dad sounds pretty weird uh, but at the same time very pedestrian um john What's your take on this? I can't wait. I'm Pixar have an amazing ability to hold a mirror up to society, don't they? And get kids and adults yeah. thinking. Um, and this sounds like a, a sort of similar, following those lines. Um, definitely, you know, Pixar has the stamp of quality, so I would never begrudge going to see a Pixar movie. Very excited about this one. Yeah, I agree with it. The only thing is, is I'm... I don't know. I'll, I'll hold off judgment. They've they've kind of been in sequel land again. You know, they keep being accused of doing too many sequels, and I kind of agree with that to an extent. Um, I, it's just a synopsis right now. Uh, interesting. They got Chris Pratt involved in this one. Um, obviously he's linked with with Disney through Marvel and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he does do voice acting. He's the main guy in the Lego Movie. Uh, Tom Holland, he's his star keeps rising and rising, so that's great as well. So yeah, it'll be interesting to to see from this. Um, I. It wasn't really a trailer that dropped, but it's starting social videos for this. We talked about this last year, actually, that Sonic the Hedgehog is getting a live-action movie, and John Ralphio from Parks and Rec is going to voice the voice the, the Hedgehog himself. And uh, we got a poster. Um, this was actually sent to us via Paramount, and then they tweeted it later on that day. Um, and 
the whole internet kind of went weird about this. So it was a poster of Sonic just in the sort of race position. And it's just an outline, really. But it's enough for you to, to kind of see where they're going with this. It's got surprisingly muscular legs. <laughs> it's dark. <laughs> Have you seen that? It's it's dark. It is very weird. I don't know how they're going to pull this off. Um, and they decided as a selling point to put from the guys who made Judah Fast and the Furious. And it's like, do you think Fast and Furious is uh, <laughs> a selling point to put onto a poster? I don't know. But um, and they realised that the internet kind of looked at this and gone, why has he got such human-like muscular legs? This is really weird. I don't want a ripped Sonic. Anyway, um, they started tweeting photos of, you know, like people on Instagram do, they call them hot dog leg photos, right? People just posting their legs on holiday. You know, I'm at a beach yeah. by, the, by the pool, that sort of thing. They started doing that with Sonic and his legs, and it's actually quite funny. So at least they're, they're taking it in good humour. Uh, Sonic, what was your... Did you did you love Sonic growing up? I did. I loved Green Hill Zone 3, you know. I loved the music. Me and you, <laughs> we're, we're a perfect generation. When we were 9 or 10, we probably had a Mega Drive, played Sonic, right? So... But yeah. since then, I mean, Sonic's almost become a bit uncool, a bit of a joke. And I'm sure kids today don't re- aren't so aware of Sonic. So you wonder who they're aiming at here. Um, but mm. maybe this is the lease of life. This is the comeback of Sonic because that cartoon nearly ruined him, let's be honest. Yeah, I was about to say they'd done a cartoon, didn't they, in the 90s, which uh, didn't do very well. And uh, he's he's had a kind of returned to form with the video games over the years there was a really good dreamcast adaptation when they started giving him a voice and it was like a sort of chippy american accent and all that sort of stuff and i don't know i i don't i think as a video game it's awesome but i don't think the actual story of sonic is can you can translate onto the big screen i could be wrong with that um but i'm just saying look there hasn't been many good video game adaptations. Um, in fact, it's an interesting debate we can have at a later podcast about has there ever been actually a good one? Um, you know, it's been a, especially over the last two or three years, we've had quite a few out, and I don't recall many of them uh, us reviewing and going, "Oh, this is a good film," with the exception of Rampage. Um, so it, I suppose it kind of can be done, but yeah, I I'm starting to lose hype for this. When I first heard it, I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of cool," and yeah, yeah, that guy from Parks is quite funny. But yeah, this poster kind of suggests that they, they're taking this far too seriously. And uh, yeah, let's just see what the next bit is. But I'm the hype meter's going down for me. I'll tell you what isn't going down, though, in the hype meter for me. Doctor Strange. Sorry to bring it back to Marvel, but I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Benedict Cumberbatch is absolutely fantastic. Scott Dickinson, uh, sorry, Derrickson, is an amazing director. He's a really good horror guy. Um, he has done some amazing pieces, and uh, he's obviously uh, would love to do a sequel, and he is going to get that. They are having a Doctor Strange sequel, which is uh, due to start filming in 2019 and to come out in 2020. They don't want to give away too much because, obviously, we don't know what happens in the new Avengers movie, but, obviously, I think it's safe to say that Doctor Strange lives. And uh, that's cool, so I'm I'm quite happy about that. Uh, just to, to wrap off news for this week, so Bonds 25 uh, was postponed because they're still on the hunt for their director because uh, Danny Boyle stepped down. They have announced, obviously, what we knew is that um, that old Daniel Craig is going to be sticking around for one more. But they're actually bringing back a lot of the returning cast uh, from the previous film. So we've got uh, Leah Seidrick's back, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Ben Winshaw, and Neom Harris is back. I don't know what this says, really. Did you like the last Bond film? Uh, I haven't been very 
interested in Bond for a while, to be honest. It kind of feels yeah. like they're trying to mang, trying to update it, um, but I, I, it doesn't get me very excited because they can only update it so much before changing Bond completely, can't they? So, yeah. It kind of peaked at Skyfall for me. Um, I was really disappointed with Spectre. Um, it had some good stuff in it, but it just didn't work for me. I don't know what. I don't know why it didn't work. It just it just did not. And uh, I was really excited when they were talking about um, a new Bond and sort of bringing it, uh, bring it back. Or when they said Daniel Craig was going to have one last go for it because he wants to go on a high note because even he admits that the last film didn't go quite the way he wanted to and I think okay if you're going to go out and hopefully go out with a big bang on a high then you probably don't want the smell of the last film around you so why bring back so many of the returning cast anyway it might be a contractual thing it might be a legitimate story reason I don't know and uh, we'll wait until we find out more but I'm I'm kind of like you know what I you can park Bond for a little bit. In fact, you know what? Shelve it for for five, ten years. Wait until the world has moved on again, and uh, and then then pull it out and see if it's if it's worth mm. redusting. But yeah, uh, my hype meter is going back down on that Could one. Bring back Danny Boyle. That got me intrigued for a bit. Yeah, very true. But he walked out because of those goddamn creative differences. <laughs> but saying that, it's like any of these big franchises, right? Like if you're being bought on. Uh, on these big franchises you're not being bought on to rewrite history unfortunately you're being bought to play with their toys within their toy box and and if you don't like that then then don't sign on to it and Danny Boyle was very respectful uh, but said he had a creative difference which he wasn't allowed to to explore so he's decided to rather than just take a paycheck and deliver you know what we're gonna get which is basically a paint by numbers spy film and um, he wanted to step back and I'm just still, I still hold this candle that he is writing that 28, uh, 28, whatever you want to call it, 28 months later uh, movie. Uh, I think I'm going to be waiting a while. But um, but yeah, that's what I kind of hope he moves on to. Well, next. I'm glad he stepped down if he felt like that. I'm sure he was trying to make a great new reboot and they were like, no, we're stuck in our ways. And that's good because Danny Boyle is probably on something very interesting right now and we're going to reap the benefits of that soon. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is an unlikely collaboration between Sony and Marvel. Uh, as we know, Sony own the rights to, to making Spider-Man movies. And a while back, they'd done a collaboration with Marvel to bring Spidey back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Tom Holland's Spider-Man uh, being part of that world. Now, what they also announced at that time was that they were going to make an animated movie using their, their new Flaghouse animation studio, Sony Animation Studios. Good name there. And uh, people kind of went, oh, that's cool. Anyway, I'm really excited about Tom Holland and they kind of just let this go on and no one really paid much attention to it until the trailers dropped last month and the film got released last week in the UK. Now, this is an animated movie. It is not. It is, it is following Peter Parker, but it's kind of not. So anyone who kind of knows a little bit about Spider-Man knows that it's a comic book. It's been around for a very, very long time and that there has been tons of adaptations of this. There's been different Spider-Men, if that's the right way to describe it. There's been 
different incarnations of the character there's different characters taking up the mantle and this is a really interesting way of bringing all those worlds crashing together now i'll tell i'll talk about the story premise first and then talk about the animation style because i firmly believe this is probably one of the best animated movies in the last 10 years if not more anyway so the storyline is is that Peter Parker has been Spider-Man for a long time. Uh, a child, oh, that's not a child, sorry, a boy called Miles Morales, who also lives in New York. Uh, he comes from a mixed-race family. He's just basically going through the motions of being a kid. He also gets bit by a radioactive spider and starts gaining the powers of Spider-Man. Um, there's basically a big crime that happens which involves a Hadon Collider and Spider-Man that opens up a tear in the universe and multiple versions of Spider-Man crash land in New York and I'm not going to go into story details from that point onwards but basically that opens up the door for tons of other Spider-People to appear in the same universe as Miles while he's learning to become Spider-Man himself and uh, basically it's just a damn good time now what makes this so interesting is that each Spider-Man or each incarnation of the character is a different animation style. Now this film is a 3D animated movie, but there will be a 2D animated Spider-Man. There will be kind of a weird 3D animated Spider-Man. There'll be a film noir version of Spider-Man. There will be a different frame rate of Spider-Man. So he moves slightly differently. Uh, in terms of the Spider-Men that get introduced into this film, there's a film noir version of Spider-Man, which is voiced by none other than Nicolas Cage. That's right, Cage or nonsense. And um, also, Hayley Steinfeld, who is also in the new Bumblebee movie, she plays Gwen Stacy, who is also a version of Spider-Woman in this film as well. Uh, we've also got, I know this sounds really batshit crazy, but there's a pig version of Spider-Man that appears called Peter Porker, and he's called Spider-Ham. And it just works on so many levels, this film. It should not be as good as it is, but it is. It's written by Phil Lord, um, the guy who wrote the Lego movie, who was also writing the solo movie, but was uh, sanctimoniously fired. But anyway, he went and started penning this, and oh my God, it is so funny. It has so much heart. There is so much creative uh, freedom that is had in this film. Like I say, the animation style and the clash between them is absolutely beautiful. The soundtrack's really good as well. Like, I can't praise this film high enough. Um, Pixar finally have someone to challenge them at the Oscars this year. I just really hope that the awards people look past the fact it's a fucking comic book movie and just look at the fact that it's a great film. It is currently sitting at 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, and rightfully so. The critics and the fans are saying the same for this. Yes, there are a few people that are murmuring a little bit, but the vast majority of people are saying this is absolutely fantastic. It's not superhero fatigue at all from this perspective. It is for fans, but also if you are new to the whole thing as well, you will be brought along that journey. They give you a great intro. Um, what I really like, actually, is that it kind of starts as... Peter Parker saying, you know who I am, I was bit by a spider and all this sort of stuff. And every time the story pivots onto a different spider person, they will talk through their origin story and they'll hold up stuff from their comic books and there's lots of interesting uh, takes on how these different characters have evolved. John, have I have I convinced you at all that this is worth watching? You've piqued my interest. I've also, I've seen the uh, trailer and I have to agree with the animation just looks like nothing else I've seen. Um, so, I mean, that's enough to get me in. And you kind of figure if the animation's that good, the rest of it's hopefully going to follow suit and be of high quality. And it's very... 
Uh, very good to hear that. That's your your take from it. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give it a go, Flinty, just for you. Good, good, because look, look, just even if you if you're not into like comic book movies and you're not into Spider Man, which you know, fair enough. But if you like animated movies, this is an experience. I actually recommend seeing this in 3D. Um, one, and this is what 3D was made for, right? And this is what animation, animated movies were made for, to suspend disbelief in a way which makes you believe it. Um, you could not have made this in a live-action film. You, you just couldn't. Um, there is something about representation in this film. Uh, the fact that, that Miles is, is half black, half Spanish, and he is the hero, he is the forefront... But not at the expense of other characters. They, you know, there's a Spider Woman in this, and this I can see in a couple of years' time, my daughter is going to want a Spider Gwen hoodie, and I can just see all the toys that are going to come out of this as well. It has already triggered a bunch of sequels that have been lined up in spin-off movies because Sony have gone kaching. <laughs> but more importantly, the talented people are allowed to be creative and. As you said before, this is something which we have not seen on the big screen. Yes, there might be people who write into the podcast or tell us about all these other examples of different forms of... Actually, I can't even mention there's another Spider-Man which is uh, or a character in the Spider-Man universe that is completely anime. Um, and it it's not in a... It's, not, it's done in a really tasteful way. It's just done really well. And I think just there's a lot of love to the craft that goes into it. And you just think, how can these different styles work on screen? But it just works. And Nicolas Cage is batshit crazy in this. Like he he basically lives up to his his batshit crazy persona. So um, it's a five out of five. It's a very very su- uh, surprise candidate for for one of the films of the year. It's definitely the animated movie of the year, if not the last decade. Highly recommend it. And I agree. You know, just just read the reviews if if this hasn't been enough to to sell it for you. Um, I'm going to give it the daughter test uh, next weekend, actually. Uh, I don't know if she'll be able to sit for it all. She's only two. But um, she did like Wreck-It Ralph too. So maybe she's on a bit of an animation binge for the cinema. I don't know. But um, but uh, there you go. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, five out of five. Do animals talk in this dimension? Because I don't want to freak them out. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe, follow, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filmy to Me. I want to thank my co-host, John. How can people find you? You can find me at Descamento on Twitter. Next week, we'll be back with another podcast where we'll review Aquaman. We'll talk about the Christmas Chronicles on Netflix. We'll have a feature as well. And also, our Christmas special will be dropping at some point next week. So stay filmy till next time. Bye-bye. down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.